Welcome back for episode 43 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on August 3rd, 2016 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86. Alongside me, we have the man who it has been said has the voice of a flower, Justin Sane 0516. Good evening, gents. Next up is the third member of our merry little band, our friendly neighborhood spokesman for Payin, Stephen Willie Beeman. Payin be with us tonight. The topic of today's chat is going to be a look at the lore behind Vex structures and their functions. Before we get into that, however, I do want to run through some quick notes. In our last chat, we took a look at the lore of Overwatch in our fifth installment of the Extra Lore series. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat for archives of all previous chats, as well as links to all our various other pages. If you don't mind please give us some feedback on itunes or through our email focusfirechat at gmail.com to let us know how we're doing as many of you already know focus fire chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of destiny and other games this chat begins every tuesday morning and runs until the following tuesday with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every friday and ends on the tuesday morning of the new chat Every Wednesday at about 10 p.m. Central, we all get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. We have also officially joined the Guardian Radio Network. If you are not already listening to the podcast over on the guardiansofdestiny.com, fix that immediately. Guardian Radio and Guardian One are amazing groups, and we're truly honored to join them. Our next chat's going to be a discussion on the lore surrounding ghosts. So with all that... Let's go ahead and dive into the information that we have about the Vex structures. All right. Want me to start us off with the Burning Shrine? Yeah. Let's let's start off with that one. Let's start off with that one. All right. We don't know whose quote this is, but um, it says, They do not simply invade new worlds. They infect them, remaking them in their image until only Vex remain. It's located in the Fields of Glass on Mercury. This clockwork impossibility is but one small conduit of a vast network extending throughout the dead planet's core. The unknown energies and complex mechanics of the shrine have been studied and mapped by the curious, yet its purpose remains a mystery. The only truth that can be agreed upon is that the structure is intimately tied to the past and future of one of our greatest enemies, the Vex. The shrine has been claimed as a battleground for the crucible in an effort to familiarize gardens with both Vex architecture and the otherworldly energies that signal their presence. Having a constant flow of combat-ready guardians on hand should the shrine ever achieve a higher functionality is simply a strategic byproduct of the Crucible's presence. So, Shaxx and the Red Jacks went ahead and got this one clear. Well, we assume because that's kind of what they do. That's why they're here is to make Sure, we have crucible arenas and apparently spare racing again pretty soon. But more on this, it seems I don't know what do you guys really get there trying to say that the shrine was originally for just worship and well, well, we know because I mean they say, 
I mean, we know that we're getting, so, you know, we'll get into this a little bit later too, but we know that we're getting another shrine in the Rise of Iron. And within that Game Informer article, they actually do confirm a few nuanced ideas of the the concept of the shrine. And that, that map is, if I remember, let me check real quick. Yeah, it's Floating Gardens, and it's another Venus map. Um, so, and there's a quote there, and I, I'll read it real quick. It says, a Vex shrine where the mysterious aliens go to recycle themselves when a body is no longer fit for service. The strange milky substance inside them flows like a waterfall from the shrine. And that's the end of the quote. Um, so, again, remember... The the key thing about the Vex is that the machine bodies that we see, those are not Vex. Those are shells for what is within the Vex, which is the Vex, that Radiolorian fluid, or as many people call, Vex milk. Um, that's actually what the Vex is. Now, there's a lot of conversation about what exactly how that all works. And we'll get into that a bit, especially when we're talking about the spires and the sink plates. There's a, there's a bit of a, a couple information uh, drops that were happening in some of the old ride alongs that are really, are really kind of, you know, encourage people to go back and watch. If you haven't already seen those, there's, there's a lot of trivia information that gets dropped kind of, uh, and people don't really pick up on it necessarily when they are first watching. It takes a couple of times watching through it to catch on. But um, we'll we'll touch about exactly with the importance of the, what them being called Radiolora is when we start talking about that. But the shrine kind of not is also a nod to what's called the pattern, um, and that is a almost pseudo religious belief of the Vex in which they do everything, and we learn all this from Praetith, they do everything, everything that the Vex do, do as a race or as a species is in line with what's called the pattern. Now, we don't really know what this pattern is. Um, there's a couple theories that I that I personally have and some thoughts that I have. There's a couple theories that I've seen around on Reddit and you know in different chats. Um, but it's important to remember that the Vex are all... Uh, keyed in to this pattern. Um, there's there's a quote from the Paradox mission where it says, or Praetith actually says, the Vex have no hope, no imagination, no drive, no fear. All they have is the pattern. Everything must fit. If it can be made to fit, good. If it can't, it gets cut away. And he he goes on to say that, you know, they, in, in the paradox mission, which is an amazing mission in and of itself. Um, you also learn that the Vex have, uh, components that are mines the size of planets. There are other areas, um, within the grimoire that there were their comments about the planetary mines. And that kind of is going to be another conversation we're going to have later too, because those are very that's a very important aspect as well um especially with some of the again information that we get from the Venus right along I believe um but there's another quote from the paradox mission that uh he go Praetith goes on to say they think this is the end of them a path with no escape and yet here they are there they were and there they will be and there they will have been for them there is no paradox there is only the pattern and the pattern needs the Vex to see it to completion, and so the Vex must be. For the mind of the Vex is that faith. 
And that's the end of the quote. And so the the important thing here is that there's the the nod to this this abstract pattern that they have and everything that they do aligns with fulfilling that pattern. And that is a very good explanation of why they are, you know, time traveling and what they do and how they kind of squeeze into the existence. Um, it's very important to remember when you read some of the grimoire cards about how it talks about the Vex trying to worm their way into the the laws of the universe. And it's to not it's not necessarily malicious. It's just what they're doing. It, it's not like they don't really have um they're not they're evil it's, in their lack of empathy. They're not evil because they're evil. They don't empathize with things. And, you know, that's where it is. It's kind of like they have a cookie cutter approach. And if you don't fit within that cookie cutter, you get cut out and remade into so that you fit. And they have a very boxed view of it. So and th- it's so, just a program executing laws. I mean, it's which or, it's such it is, and that's what's that's what's so fascinating for me for the Vex is that that's exactly what it is. But then when you start actually looking at the Vex, they're not machines. You know, like we we've kind of touched yeah. on this a couple times, but that is one of the most interesting, like juxtapositions well, with them, is that they are they are biological, but they don't act like they are. They don't have emotion well, that we can see. Is a computer still a computer, even if its uh, internal circuitry is made of biological material? Yeah, I mean, that's the the Android question, isn't it? Yeah, I mean... It, I it's, thought that it was pretty interesting, guys, said that they have a boxed view, and they always make pointy things. Everywhere mm-hmm. you go. Well, and, and they, they, everything that they build and we'll, you know, we'll, again, we'll get back into this, you know, a little bit later, but everything they build is to fit into the pattern. And, yeah. you know, that's why if you remember when we talked about the Vex and when we were talking about the Taken and when we were talking about all these things that cor- correlate with the Vex, the big important thing to remember about the Vex is that they are not primarily designed for warfare. They're primarily designed for construction. They're meant to build things and to convert things and to transmute things. They're not, they have the ability to be fearsome warriors, but that is a byproduct of, you know, their their rifles being designed for what they you know need to cut and what they need to transmute and all that and so but the the thing about the burning shrine to bring that back is that you know they first off it's called the clockwork impossibility um you know it's 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 something that's not supposed to be possible and we kind of get a nod here too this is on mercury and we'll get another card from mercury which is the lighthouse and there's a couple really interesting quotes within the lighthouse that when you combine it with the, the burning shrine start to kind of make a little bit more sense. Um, but the other thing about the shrine is that they have unknown energies. Um, and there's, there's mechanics on the shrine that even the guardians today find complex. Um, 
I'll, I'll be honest, what this sounds like is it sounds like the proto hive on the, on the continent and, you know, they don't understand how the engines work, but they are working. You know, it, it, it's, it's a parallel in my mind to exactly that situation. They, guardians have come to this planet and have found that, you know, remember Mercury was remade by the Vex in a matter of days, which is one of the, you know, the, the very common lines from the game. And that's exactly what in my head. And there's a no, there's a there's a number of parallels actually um, to the proto hive within the vex that I I'll bring up later too. But yeah, I mean, I also find it kind of interesting or kind of funny that they're like, yeah, we're using it to fight. So you know, if it does activate, we'll already have people there with weapons and are ready to fight. So we'll just blow it up probably. Isn't, like I, isn't that kind of like isn't that kind of like uh, a police officer saying, "Yeah, I'm just gonna hang out at this. I'm just gonna hang out yeah, at this it, bar just in I case just, a I fight just, breaks I, out." I, I can just totally see Shax being like, "This is totally the excuse that Shax used to put a crucible map <laughs> together on this place." Yeah. Is oh, we need someone to patrol it. Why yeah, not? I want to be here, so just in case. <laughs> yeah. No. So, uh, I actually find it very interesting that they would even allow it, seeing as how there's multiple, multiple references to um, the kind of contagion that is the the cellular vex elements yeah. that, that well, are referenced. That's like the and, Hezen, the Hezen gear and uh-huh. stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone who spends prolonged time in a uh, – in a Vex location seems to lose the plot just a little bit. Um, well, and, you know, speaking, speaking about that, you know, that kind of brings us to the, the next card that we have that talks about the, the Vex structure. And it's, it's kind of the inspiration. Well, I don't know if this is the inspiration or if the, the art that was on the flyer is the inspiration for this, but that, that concept art of the giant, you know, cubicle structure that looks a lot like a dark tower, um, which I will not go into. Uh, yeah, that, you know, uh, that is the Citadel, by the way. Yeah, it, it is. That is, um, I know it's, it's the Citadel, but it's, Citadel. it's also really similar to the dark tower. But, um, so it, that brings us to ghost fragment Vex four. And I'm going to, I'm going to read just, uh, this is a longer card. And it honestly doesn't all deal with the structure. I'm trying to see here. Actually, it does. I'm just going to read the entire thing. All right. So Ghost Fragment Vex 4. Maya, Chioma, Dwayne McKnight, and Shim have decided to have a picnic before they send themselves into infinity. Up here, they have to act by biomechanical proxy. No human being in the Ishtar Academy has ever crossed the safety cordon and walked the ancient stone under the citadel, the Vex construct that stabs up out of the world to injure space and time. It's not safe. The cellular Vex elements are infectious, hallucinogenic, and ethogenic. The informational Vex elements are even more dangerous yet, and there could be semiotic hazards beyond them, aggressive ideas, Vex who exist without a substrate. Even now, operating remote bodies by Neuralink, the team's thoughts are relayed through the Warmind who saved them, Sandbox, and Scrub for Hazards. The real bodies are safe in the Academy, protected by distance and neural firewall. But they walk together in proxy, 
press closed, huddled in awe. Blue-green light, light the color of the ancient sea, washes over them. Each of their explorer bodies carries a slim computer. Inside, 227 copies of their own minds wait, patient and paused for dispersal. I wonder where it came from, Dwayne McKnight says. Of course, he's the one to break the reverent silence. The Citadel. I wonder if it was here before the Traveler changed Venus. It could have been latent, Geoma Essie suggests. She's the leader. She kept them together when it seemed like they faced actual eternal torture. She pulled them through. Seated in the crust, waiting for a period of geological quintessence so it could grow. Dr. Shim shrugs. I think the Traveler did something paracausal to Venus. Something that cut across space and time. The Citadel seems to come from the past of a different Venus than our own. It doesn't have to make any sense by our logic any more than the moon's new gravity. Maya Sunderush walks at the center of the group. She's been too quiet lately. What happened to them wasn't her fault, and maybe she'll believe that soon. What could you do with it? She murmurs, staring up. If you understood it. Chioma puts an arm around her. That's what we're going to find out. Where the Citadel can send us. Whether we can come back. They're not us anymore. Maya looks down at herself, at the cache of her self-forks. We're not going anywhere. We're sending them. They're diverging. They rescued themselves from the inside of a Vex mind. 227 copies of themselves, untortured and undamaged. Those copies voted all unanimously to be dispatched into the Vex information network as explorers. When Maya and Chioma look at each other, they can tell they're each wondering the same thing. How many of them will stay together wherever they go? How many Fork Mayas and Fork Chiomas will fall out of love? How many will end up bereft, grieving? How many will be happy, like them? Chioma tries a little smile. Maya smiles back haltingly, and then sighing, unable to stop herself, grins a big, stupid grin. And everything is okay grin. Shim makes a loud, obnoxious aww at them. Dwayne McKnight is still thinking about paracausality and doesn't notice. They climb. When they find the Vex aperture they plan to use, they overlay the luminous stone and ancient brassy machines with images of sun and sand. They set up the transmitters and interfaces that will translate 227 simulations of the four of them into Vex language into the tangled pathways of the Vex network to see what's out there and maybe come home. In the metaphor they've chosen, setting up the equipment is like laying out a picnic. In the metaphor they've chosen, they look like themselves, not hardened explorer proxies, like people. Do you think, Dwayne McKnight begins haltingly, that you could use this place to change things? If you regretted something, could you, could you find a way through the Citadel, go back and change it? I wish I could go back and change you into someone else, Dr. Shim grouses. She almost shaking her head. She knows physics. Time is self-consistent, she says. I think it's like the story of the merchant and the alchemist. You could go back and watch something or be part of something, but if you did, then that was the way it always happened. Maybe you could bring something back to now, something you needed. Maya runs a hand across the surface of the Vex aperture, feeling it with sensors 10,000 times as precise as a human hand. These proxy bodies were limited. They crash and need resetting every few hours. They struggle with latency. They can't hold much long-term memory. But they'll get better. Or 
go forward and learn something vital. If you knew how to control it, how to navigate across space and time. So it's just a way to make everything more complicated, Dwayne McKnight says. It doesn't fix anything. Nothing ever does. I should have taken the job at you would have hated it at Clovis, Dr. Shim says. We both know you're happier here. Dwayne McKnight stands stunned by this courtesy, and then they both pretend to ignore each other. The four of them set up the interface. Their stored copies wake up and prepare for the journey, so that as they work, they find themselves surrounded by the mental phantasms of themselves. 227 Mayas and Chiamas knocking helmets and smiling. 227 Dr. Shims making cynical bets with each other about how long they'll last. 227 Dwayne McKnight's blowing goodbye kisses to the sweet golden sun. 227 of them shaking hands, smiling, making ready to explore. So, a ton, oh, a ton to unpack here. Um, first off, yes, uh, if you have not read Merchant and the Alchemist Gate and you are in the chat, please let me know. I will get you a copy of it. It's an amazing short story and um, actually kind of if if it's a philosophy that they're using for time travel within destiny kind of explains quite a bit um especially with a lot of the theories about the uh, uh what's the what's the auto rifle the kozatov no kvostov yeah kvostov um the the comment here about you could bring something back to now something you needed from Maya and the theory that that gun was left uh, left for our guardian by the stranger. Um, the merchant and the alchemist gate kind of confirmed that that is possible and actually does make sense. If you have a, a timeline that is self consistent and is sort of fixed um, that that theory actually makes a lot of sense within that paradigm. Um, but Going going back to the structure here, this is yet another nod at the fact that we really we don't know much about any of the structures. Now we do know that the uh, the the radiolorian fluids, you know, radiolorians are you know very cellular and all that. So again, this is a nod to again to that aspect of the vex as being that that cellular level infectious and they're hallucinogenic and ethanogenic and stuff like that. That's all, that's all kind of again confirmed here and kind of presented here as well. Um, there's also the nod to the ancient sea, which, you know, some people read into that a bit. Um, but we know that the Vex have a, a liquid like state, um, whether that is information fluid or life-giving fluid for the radioloria within them, it's still up for debate. Um, you guys have anything that I'm—I know I'm missing a lot, but as far as structures yeah. go from this card, no. From I like uh, when they talk about kind of the debate as to whether the citadel was was uh, native to Venus, like yep. latent. Seated under the crust, and then you know something happened that triggered its kind of rising. And it very well could be that maybe not in all timelines, but at some point the Vex went back in time and and uh, put it there. 
for to use now because when you look at all the VEX structures, and it could just be the time that's elapsed since they took over, but all of them look very weathered, like they've been there for thousands of years. Um, none of them look brand new, you know. Um, it just it gives me this it gives me this uh, kind of feeling that they've always been there. One thing that we should point out is that the uh, <clears throat> reason they don't go in there is because they say that the cellular VEX elements are infectious, mm-hmm. hallucinogenic, and ethanogenic. It's telling you that these structures can actually – and um, there's another card that we're not going to get to just yet, but I was just reading it, and I noticed that an exo seemed – so, it does something to exos too, um, which it is looks interesting. Like, so, yeah, they're not I biological. Think that the exos get something very specific. Well, they are. They are. You know, they, they're pretty much proxies for humans. I yeah, think that's what we but gathered. but the exos. Well, and we don't we don't really know necessarily, but the exos have always been presented as total machines with the essence of a human. Well, right. We have, well, we're not here to talk yeah. about exos. The point was that it does. You know the the structures actually when the vex have one that works seems like it just messes with people and right. exos. Yeah, and just just real quick, an ethiogen uh, literally means generating the divine within. So there's a lot of you know people who don't want don't know what that means. An ethiogenic is basically a chemical substance that's used in religious, shamanic, or spiritual contexts that actually will induce psychological or physiological changes. Um, so they are. Basically hallucinogenics, um, but peyote. They, yeah, yeah, they're peyote. But yeah, yeah, actually, that is, yeah, that is actually exactly what it is. Um, so they've they've been used to supplement like a lot of diverse practices, basically all geared towards achieving you know quote unquote transcendence. So, and so um, theory, therapy. Before we moved off, and and this isn't specific to structures, but I think it has some bearing here. Um, if you go back and look at the old Vault of Glass um, armor, mm-hmm. um, the flavor texts mm-hmm. kind of speak mm-hmm. to the entheogenics. And yes. uh, and there's, the, there's one that in particular I have noted, the Hezen Lord, the robe of the Hezen Lord. Oh, the robe. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at the curious of the Hezen Lord. Yeah. Says, Slept in the armor last night, woke to feel my heart stuttering to the pattern Yep. Of an unknown That's, it's the same. It's the same as the robe. And actually, yeah, I have that noted in the uh, the below the conversation that we're in that I want to get to because that's one of the things that was like, oh, really? A pattern. Hmm. That's interesting. And actually, as well, when we were talking about a computer made of, you know, biological material, if you look at the facade of the Hezen Lords, um, it says the Helm's nerve interface okay, yeah. incorporates Vex cells. They're dead, of course, but not too dead to dream. Mm-hmm. So it's all very. And that's like, another interesting thing, though. Like when it came to the Vault of Glass, it was the actual Vex that would use, you know, themselves and 
I wouldn't really say the structures as weapons. Like, and we don't get any um, disorientation or anything. And that's it's pretty much a giant vex castle. That's mm-hmm. what I've the least closest thing I can think of to call it. Um, we don't unless you wear the gear that's made from vex. So if you go all insane and um oh man who's that serial killer that wore people's faces uh there were several of them uh, but you're several. probably talking about leatherface leather no not leatherface is Bun- bundy did it didn't he ted bundy mm, here wait unless you go ted bundy on somebody and, or on the vex and you know wear armor made of them that's when you get the issues you know whereas places like the citadel here and the lighthouse you are actually affected by the area itself you see where i'm trying to go with this yeah 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 like yeah, yeah. into the vault we didn't at least i didn't read anything that said that the vault itself was actually messing with our heads or making us high on peyote but we have several references of such in know all these cards here yes anyway um (laughs) do you have the vex itself justin yes the vex itself sorry you can blame hurt for that he's talking time travel in chat get him blue (laughs) um yes the vex living metal incomprehensible intelligence The Vex are architects of ancient and complex structures thought to be buried within every celestial body. Linked by network unlike any on Earth, they operate in unison, directed by a single unfathomable purpose. And that's like, I want to say that's the first card that we actually got on the Vex, right? The very first one when Mm -hmm. we encounter them. Yeah, and uh, it, it just kind of goes through and actually says there that they're actually burying these things all over the universe. Um, and I, I kind of view all these structures as nodes in a giant network. Like I've always looked at the burning shrine as a, uh, as a big repeater um, in, in their giant network. And then on a larger scale, the whole planet will be a giant node in their, in their large you know, hive mind computer network. Yeah. I want to say, is it the burning shrine where the, um, where the lighthouse is supposed to be at kind of, well, the lighthouse is same planet, Mercury, same planet. All of Mercury looks the same now. So it's kind of hard to tell. Uh, the burning shrine is on the, uh, fields of glass. Whereas the lighthouse is on the chlorus spires. Yeah, I was just looking at that. But yeah, going going back to your idea of the nodes thing, that is definitely something that is is very apparent <clears throat> within the goals of the Vex. They um they are they basically are trying to redesign hang on real quick i have this 
quote and I'm trying to there um the taken goblin card uh kind of talks to this uh, it says that you are a goblin, a multifunctional armature. Your first purpose is to build, to alter the material world so it can think. And so basically what we can extrapolate from that is that the Vex are turning the universe into a computer network. Um, there's actually another comment about transmutation and butterflies, uh, which is in the Azoth bend armor. And it says transmutation is the art of a butterfly's breath becoming a hurricane. And based in so the entire thing here is that they're trying to transmutate the material world into one in which it's filled with these data blocks, which is what those those squares that we see as being part of the um, the structures. Those are all called data blocks, and that's actually one of those ride-alongs. And about the fifty-one minute mark in the Venus ride-along, they kind of they talk they talk about the data blocks, and they say that the circuitry is potentially made up of about ninety percent of the structure, and appears to be filled with a radiolorian fluid, thus possibly being self-aware in the same sense of the Vex mobile units. You know, the goblins, the hobgoblins, all these things, they are. They are the same. They are central hubs and data blocks. And so these things are actually redesigning planets to be their own planet-sized mobile unit. Um, the confirmation that the buildings are actually filled with the radiolorian fluid came from the Mars ride-along when they were talking about it. And that was about the 55-minute mark. There's a comment there. But Mercury is one of the planet mines because we know that the Vex remade Mercury in a matter of days. So basically what they did was they converted the entire planet's mass entirely into computing elements, which allows that planet to become a supercomputer and a hub for Vex intelligence, which then goes in. Then if you start looking at the Vex card here, where you start seeing um, the comment about a network, unlike any on Earth. They operate in unison, directed by a single unfathomable purpose. Well, we know what that single purpose is. It's the pattern. And the network is probably consistent of a bunch of these planetary mind hubs communicating with each other. And so, and then also remember that they can transmute information in themselves along these network paths, which is what that teleportation capability is. It's basically them sending the data you know, it's, it's transferring of data. That's all teleportation really is. I mean, just go watch Star Trek. That's all it is, is, you know, the beaming up is the transmutation of matter, but it's the transference of information from one geographic location to another along a, a, uh, a network of consistent connection. And so by building these world mines, they actually are expanding that network and thus expanding their reach, which then allows them to build more world mines. And then, you know, it's just one of those, anybody who's played an RTS game knows exactly how this works. You, you push back the fog of war, you can build more. And if you build more, you push back the fog. Of, you know, it's just this, this self-replicating process. I like it. I like it as well. Um, so basically, speaking of that, I, no, go for it, go for it. I, I, I was just going to say, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's good in the uh, Lighthouse card, but there's a lot of stuff that doesn't really need to be read because it's a report, you know, yeah. to Executor Hideo from uh, a team from New Monarchy that 
made it to the lighthouse, which I myself personally haven't done yet. <laughs> I don't know if either of you gents have either, but um, no. let's see the important things. No. Yeah. <laughs> None of us. We, we need to make this a mission of our showman. I'm too busy doing Books research. Yeah, well, <laughs> we, we need to make time to get good and get treasure. Anyway, when he's describing Mercury, he says when they come in, um, you know, the spires are strobing with lightning. There's burnt rock. He's describing the landscape. And he does mention that there's actually an atmosphere. The Vex have not disposed of the atmosphere for some reason. Um, Surface of the sun is too large and dim. They think that could be the influence of the Vex constructs there. And they also do theorize that because Mercury is one of their worlds, that it could be in many places at once. Um, Fine glimmer, equipment books. And they do mention that while it's self-evidently a Vex architecture structure there at the lighthouse, it's jazzed up by the Osiris cultists. Um, Nothing on the Trinity star up there. They mentioned a little bit more about the, once again, Osiris. Now, this is where things get interesting. The, my XO teammate described the sense that she was buried beneath an enormous operating mass, locked up in a tiny crevice at the bottom of a labyrinth or a mechanism. My awoken teammate felt an ongoing sense of deja vu. Her actions were pro- precessed by an infinite echo and anticipation of all her choices. She became volatile and erratic. She insisted that we were surrounded. I remember, and I'm assuming he's a human, which is why he gets something different. I remember a low ringing sound and a sense of a numb filth, like gravel rubbed into a wound. I experienced a sense of eminence as if I was bleeding into the world around me. It was uncomfortable and profoundly alienating. I perceived all my actions as determined and inevitable. My ghost commented that the traveler had made something of this world, and then the Vex had eaten that something. So the, that's those were pretty much the main things in this card that I loved, were that they all got... He felt like someone was rubbing gravel into a wound. The Awoken started going kind of crazy, got real paranoid and the EXO felt trapped, you know, between some enormous operating mass and locked up in a tiny, like it's, it's interesting how all three of them felt something different strictly Mm -hmm. because of what the Vex had done to this world. Yeah. I mean, everyone responds to peyote differently. I mean, that's whenever I read that, that's exactly what I what I feel is like that. That's what happened is these people are like, hey, we're in. Oh, like it's like and then just see the dip, the uh, Dumbo scene with the bubbles and the. Oh, yeah. It's like that's that's exactly what I feel like I'm reading is they're they're on a hallucinogen right now. Yeah. So Hideo just had a bad trip. Saw a bunch of pink elephants circling them. Why, why she felt surrounded yeah yeah <laughs> I, I would feel i would freak out too 
pink elephant cell surrounding me on a planet that they're not supposed to, they don't oh, exist they, anymore. <laughs> they are supposed to, uh, well, they did scare the hell out of Dumbo. So, I mean, yeah, I guess it could scare an yeah. awoken. But, um, yeah, I mean, again, there is there's a nod to uh, the the don't touch living Vex in the Volta glass armor, um, and that's it's kind of what they're doing. They're 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 standing on a living Vex. I mean, this Mercury is a living Vex mechanism because any Vex mechanism is living, right? You know, that's that's kind of what we've dis- what we've kind of come across is there is radioloria flowing through all this constructs. All the constructs of the Vex have these cellular effects going out. And so they are on a planet, you know, for God's sakes, the Ishtar Academy team wouldn't go near a single building. These guys are standing on a planet. So yeah, they're mm-hmm. gonna, they, this is, this is like a, yeah, Vex at a zoo hurt. Don't touch the Vex. Don't touch the Vex. Don't breathe the Vex. Don't, don't look at the don't Vex. Look don't at the Vex. think about looking at the Vex. You can only experience don't the Vex anything. through a neuro firewall, and even then it's very highly debatable on whether or not that's a good idea. I mean, it's... But- Scrubbed and sandboxed by, a, by an infuriatingly unnamed war mind. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. So frustrating. Um, oh, so yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. and then also I like how they're trying to pin the Trinary Star on Osiris, and they fail. Suck it. Yeah, you're not supposed to go investigating, wanting to find something. Yeah, it's, well, it's just it was kind of fun. It's to me, it's kind of funny because it's like, hey, you know, I bet these guys are Trinary Star because the Trinary Star is the cult that is like we hate the Traveler. The Traveler is evil. And, you know, this is the cult of Osiris. And so everyone's like, well, I bet you we could find a trinary star. What was it? Trinary star. Yeah. Connection. And they're like, nope. Fail. Because that's, I I don't, yeah, we're not going to get down that path. But, um, yeah, so it's, it's just an interesting, to me, it's just, it reads, it reads as there are, there are you know, a number of different people within the fire team. And each one of these individuals have a different response to the peyote that the Vex provide free of charge. Oh man, the hippies would have loved the Vex. <laughs> so moving on. Game over, man. Game over. Take off your shirt and lay down. You'll feel everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord. Speaking of people hallucinating, oh, let's God. talk about the mystery of Praetith's door. <laughs> oh, good Lord. So, the mystery of Praetith's door. Praetith opened his eyes. The receiver sputtered to life. It had taken him the better part of a decade to get his crude comm scanner working. And another few years to get it transmitting. Now, in the brief windows of time when the door to his cell opened, he would call for help. He sighed, a deliberate act that caused him to cough roughly. He had no idea how much longer his body would hold out. But then, that kind of thinking was all relative here, wasn't it? Praetith stared at the sprawling mass of metal and wires, 
listening to the tinny sounds coming from his makeshift speaker. Before he spoke, he always made a point to listen. The words, the concepts that flowed into his mind confused him. Timelines and potentialities that might have already happened. Might happen. Might never happen. A pattern was ever dancing in the edge of his vision. At times like this, when the world rushed past him, he had to hold tight to the fact that he was still breathing. He would often focus in on the intake, output, in-breath, out-breath, breath, breath, breath. Hours later, he blinked, refocused. The static had stopped. He had missed a window. Once, he would have cursed and spat. Now he just shook his head. A weak movement of the neck. The Vex had decided their end. The Guardians had interceded. The Vex were fallible. If the Vex can be wrong, if they can make mistakes, someday he could be free. Someday he might leave the vault, might see again the Traveler. Until then, he would listen. He would observe. He would be the man on the outside looking in. A viewpoint into the consciousness of minds that spanned galaxies. He would try to understand the Vex. Praetith closed his eyes. So we were worried about Just, planet minds. Now we have galaxy minds. Because, yes. you know, that's not concerning yeah. at all. If anything, Halo teaches us is that when collective things gather together and build giant minds, it's a bad thing. Great mind. <laughs> yeah, you know, so I mean, why would they stop? You know, they're, they're, they've expanded from a cellular level, you know. A, you know, actually, their- you know, I didn't even put that together until right now. Holy, that's another parallel to Halo. Because, you know, you know, there's another species in Halo that started off on a cellular level and turned into a galaxy mind. Yeah. So the Vex yeah, are the I flood. Mean, the Vex are the flood with flood. technology. Great. Pretty much. That's and they're a lot awesome. better looking. The Vex are the flood's better looking cousin. Yeah. Rasputin has Durandel. <laughs> the Hive has... What's that? Well... I was just saying, I compare them more to the Geth from Mass Effect. Like, yeah. I see Having not played I mean, Mass Effect, I can't do that, so... I'm To be honest with you, I just had the revelation that... Osiris is a drug-crazed cultist, cult leader, and it's blowing my mind right now. Oh, yeah, you, the, like, the peyote, the peyote connection. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Isn't they, that a they, fun they, one? They, yes. They, yes, I came back they, from the dead, and I'm green. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Right? That makes so much sense why he's obsessed with the Vex. Dude, he's like freaking Charles yeah. Manson. But let's not let's not know throw slanders. Got, let's not throw too many slanders yeah. around here. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa! Now, yeah. Do you know who else got got hooked on that right, sweet vex junk? Except for the murdering yeah. part, but you see Kabir. what the connection is that I'm doing, right? Yeah, Kabir, Kabir. If anyone's gonna be Manson, let's let's talk about the person no, he who threw his soul followers. away. She's like, no, no. Yeah, he didn't no. have followers. He wasn't charismatic <laughs> enough. <laughs> Kabir was like, I'm gonna go get high by myself and make some stuff and I'll die at the end but it'll be cool Osiris is like come here to these vexy structures come get a whiff of this guys come lay down on this floor with your shirt shirt off off. take your shirt off you'll you'll get a better experience (laughs) 
Oh, God. And he's bringing people into this madness, man. He's like, guardians, why don't you go kill each other? Whoever kills the most people without dying gets to come here and get treasure. And while you're here, just take your shirt off and lay down. Just soak it in. Soak in the experience. It makes it so much worse. It does. That ruins it. Now I don't even want to go. So so the trials of Osiris are a very complex drug deal. That's all it is. Yes. That's all it is. It's like, okay, congratulations. Oh my God. There's one thing. I might be I might be being very very short sighted here, but there's one thing that bothers me about this about this uh, Pradith card. That is, he waits for these windows whenever his cell door opens so he can call for help on the radio. Why doesn't he just walk out the door? Well, I get the feeling that it's. Um I know. I, I kind of get the feeling too. It's just, I think it's the, very I, I get obvious. the feeling that he's probably tried that. <laughs> yeah, because I think. Well, just you have to ask, right? Have you well, tried but, turning it off and turning it back have on? You, tried turn- you, you have to ask this simple stuff. Have you pushed the button that opens the door? Does that does that work, Mister Pradith? Have you tried leaving when the door's <laughs> open? I didn't think of that. Whistles and walks out of the world of glass. <laughs> I'm just saying. That would be amazing if there was a grimoire card that had like pretty much that scenario. I finally decided to walk through the door instead of just look through it and yell for help. It was amazing. I'm out. Here I am, Guardians. Oh, hurt. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> so, that covers Praetith. <laughs> and? Yeah, Praetith, Praetith is... He's got some really powerful quotes, though. I'll be honest. He's he's got one of my my somewhat favorite quote at this point. Uh, there's a comment that he makes in the paradox mission where he says, "There's always room for in the mind for hope. It's the crack that lets the light in, but that's the thing about the light. You never know when it will shine." And it's like it made me. Um, I'm gonna take a small step and deviate from the vex real quick. It also made me think about the entire story of Dregden Yor because you know the entire point of Dregden was that he didn't have hope he had given up on hope and he was killing hope and that was actually what to me was the saddest part of that entire story was he had he had decided that he was not worth the light and that he wasn't worth salvation and I think that kind of ties into, you know, a lot of religions who have deities. They, there's a common theme in that the, the deity of uh, in any, any religion that has a forgiving deity, the primary and the most dangerous sin of that, that religion is the decision that not even your deity can forgive you for something and that you close yourself off to forgiveness. And that's what is, you know, a lot a lot of religions, especially the Catholic faith, that's the greatest sin because you've closed yourself off to the grace. And so that's exactly like I read that quote and I was like, holy, that's that puts a whole new light on the entire story in my mind about that whole that just that entire situation just got changed because of one of the comments that Pradith made. So but going back to Vex. 
I did. I did. The, the reason I wanted to say that is because we were talking about Pradith and Pradith's door, and this kind of ties closely into the paradox mission, because the paradox mission shows Pradith that the Vex are not infallible. So, some hope, unlike Dredgen, who had none. Right. Right. And and Pradith, yeah, he exactly. Have, Pradith he hopes not have actually had it until then. Right. You know, until but the thing is, is like mission. that's that's the difference between. Yeah, exactly. He he is still has this this like this tendril, this very thin tendril of hope that he can he can, you know, he could leave the vault. He he might yet again see the traveler, the the source of all his light. He might yet again and it's just like this little this little thread of hope, this little thread that is keeping him dedicated to the purpose of trying to understand the Vex with the understanding that he might fail. He probably will fail, but he's going to fight to the end to, to be loyal to that hope and be loyal to the light. I think that's, that's the difference, you know, definitely here for Pradith when compared to, you know, Dregden Yor and that entire, the, the fall of that story. So, but I think I mean the entire purpose of the paradox mission. Was, right, right. It seems the were letting him call home. They, well, yeah, because they appear to help us with this taken problem. Right. They. Well, they. Um, he says in there that they think this is the end of them, a path with no escape, and yet here they are. There they were, and there they will be, and there they have been. Um, and that's when he goes on to say that there's no paradox. There is only the pattern. But then he he concludes with he says that. They will not. They will not spare the city. They won't even thank you. But that's the thing about the light. You never know where it will shine. So it's like it's it's one of those things where it's like even though these people, you know, again, kind of go into that moral high road. This is the right thing to do. And even though the person that you're saving won't thank you and might even in the future come back and attack you, it doesn't negate the fact that you are doing the right thing. That is, that's the entire point of being a guardian is you guard everything against the darkness and the taken is literally the taken are the literal darkness. Like they, they have been infused with the darkness in the same fashion that we have been in. The guardians have been infused with the light. And so even the Vex need protection from that. And so that's the entire basis of that paradox is the Vex the Vex have seen this entire process in their in their pattern, yet they they are completely unwavering in that. Because he says, you know, even in the pattern need the Vex to see it to completion. And so the Vex must be because and that's when he says, Is this is this faith? Is this this what you would consider faith for for something like the Vex? Because even though they know that they are going, they are doomed, and that they will fall to the darkness they are still marching to the beat of the pattern and that pattern requires them to be here and then the guardians come in and basically you know save them and he says yeah they're not going to save that they're not going to spare the city they're not even going to say thank you but you still need to save them if if nothing else to deny the darkness a bolstering of their you know their strength but but then that that effect is that oh they're not infallible. They they thought that this was the end of them. They thought this was their destruction. And you just proved them you just proved them wrong. Well 
I think by definition of the way they operate, we know that they're fallible because they run simulations. Infallible yeah. beings yeah. don't simulate things. They don't need to. Well, and that goes back you to know, the, the theory of Osiris that the Guardians are, because of our paracausality, we aren't able mm-hmm. to be simulated. So, yeah. But that the act of simulating something, you know, implies superficially at least that the possibility is there for error. Right. I mean, well, um, we see that in the books of sorrow against uh, the fight between Coria and uh, Oryx when, you know, she, yes, yeah, she couldn't I put guess, them together. Isn't able to, because he's paracausal as well. And he, it's, it's trying it's scrambling to, to find anything to use against him. And he, and it uh, projects the, was it a project which it pulled from the ecumen which is a whole different world to go down (laughs) but um i mean that's pretty much that's i mean for the most part from the grimoire cards that's pretty much the 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 admissions yeah hurt hurt and chat it's coria will always be a she to me i'm i'm kind of i i don't know why either but yes i i read that individual as a as a female entity even Maybe though it's I, the name I, I think it might be it's it's, it's kind because of, of the idea at the end yeah like i think Maria it is or sophia yeah i but i mean i like i know logically that they're they're well i'm pretty sure logically they're asexual but still um i was gonna say this, that's pretty much the it's pretty much the end of grimoire commentaries on structures um i'm sure there's a few flavor texts that i wasn't able to dig up but um that that led into a lot of fun conversations um i'm trying to think where should we start so real quick do we, um i think we should kind of cover known what are the types of vex structures we have that we actually know about? Um, which at present we have sink plates, mm-hmm. correct? Spires. We have spires, gates. Um, I don't really know what you want to categorize. I guess the citadel is a spire. I would say it's composed of data blocks. Oh, okay, it's just it's just a yeah. It's a giant data block process. I mean, technically, um, yeah, it hurt, hurts throwing this in there as well. Um, technically, the vault is a giant structure. Um, then you have the confluxes, which are really wonky and weird and are connected to the oracles and still don't make a lot of sense to me personally. Um but I'm trying to think. Mercury is kind of a structure, but we kind of talked. Well, about yeah, it. every planet, every planet. I mean, it depends on yeah. what. I mean, every everything technically vex is a is a structure, and that's kind of the. But basically, as far as we know, peyote field is a vex yeah. structure. As far as we know, stand on a stand on a plate, activate a spire, open a gate. I mean, that's. That's a very repeated mechanic 
over and over and over again. And they may they may spread three gates out. You gotta hold all at once. Yeah. Um but, so uh, let's you wanna start with the sync plates? Yeah, yeah, rock and roll. So and this is something that Unisys has talked about a lot in chat. Um and I think on a number of different com- uh, different streams that he's been on with us. But if you look at sync plates, the one of the things that makes sense as sync plates is that they are basically terminal access points. Um this is this is kind of in line with the understanding that sync plates usually usually activate a spire. And the spire is actually responsible for generating what's called a data transmission beam. Um, and that is what the developers actually call it on the Mars ride-along. It was about one hour into the ride-along. They're talking about the Black Garden Gate. Um, and so we, in order to activate this, uh, the plate is the best that we can come up with is the plate is basically Vex tech that allows appropriate users uh, similar, um, anyone who does security management for systems, uh, this is kind of what I do in my real job. But basically, what it is is you assign permissions to different individual end users that then give them permission to move around a system. And if they don't have a permission, uh, depending on the system, they either don't see the the aspect of the system or they can see it but it's like they can't they can't modify it um it depends on there's there's nuanced permissions that you can give different end users but um the sync plate is basically the 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 handshake between the user and the access um, so basically what you would do, which is, which also explains why in the vault of glass, when you go to open the gate, you'll notice that many of the Vex can stand on the plate, but only the Praetorian Minotaurs can actually deactivate the plate. Um, it would, it, it would make, ex- it makes sense because then if you look at them in a rank of hierarchy, the Praetorian Minotaurs actually have a higher rank, a higher security access to the system. And so common, common VEX models would not have the ability to activate or deactivate the systems by their own security access, whereas these users would. Um, and so that's why you can let all the Vex that you want stand on the plate while you've taken it. But as soon as one of those Praetorians come over, they are able to shut it down because they actually have technically the, the correct security token to override your command of that, that plate. Um, it all, it also explains when we are activating sync plates to activate gates. Why, you know, for instance, when we needed the, um, the gate Lord's eye, when we we had to power it up because what happens is when we stood on the plate it registered the signal of that artifact or that piece of equipment then if we had power in it so that it could return the security token it registered that that you had you had access to the the network in that sense um it's very similar to what we did in the taken king with crota's soul uh, when we stole a piece of that to become quote unquote ascendant to jump into that portal, 
it's a very, very similar concept there. Um, and I think that's really it. I mean, the gates obviously are literal gates into the network that allow you to, to transmute yourself into data to be transferred to another receiving portal. Um, so basically imagine, uh, imagine if you are, you're sitting at your computer and as an end user, your network token gives you access to the internet. That would be me standing on a sync plate and I open up the browser, right? So I open up the web browser and I say, I want to go to Google or I want to go to Ishtar Collective. Let's use that for example. Um, in certain workplaces, the security token or the firewall will disable that access and you actually won't be able to, you won't be able to travel. So you can't even open that gateway. But in other places, your security access isn't, is sufficient to. So then you open the gate and you actually step through the gate and travel to that web page where all that information is stored. That's exactly kind of how a gate works is it's, it's a portal into a, a network of information which depending on your your definition and your paradigm of reality is what reality is is it's a it's a you know not to get too cheesy but it's a matrix of information in which we exist and interface with and so depending on your security token you have different access to different levels of said matrix and that's what it is. That's what the VEX network kind of, to me, seems like. And that's what the gates and the spires and the sink plates all, that's their their process within that. Um, as far as <coughs> the, the confluxes, uh, you know, going, I'm going to kind of go out on a limb and talk here a little bit. Um, on confluxes because following following that same process and that follow that logic you know they're talking in chat right now about the oracles kind of being a security a security uh combination well sometimes you can have uh dynamic security tokens within your user access to a system uh and that's basically a security token and this is the the thing that's attached to your user id which everyone has within a system um that changes dynamically based on a time or an event or something like that you'll notice within the vault of glass that you have to destroy the oracles in a specific pattern either that or it destroys everything uh, if you imagine the oracles as a challenge, a uh, challenging handshake to the end user, basically it's requesting that your your security token reflect an appropriate response, which is the order of activating or, you know, in, in our sense, deactivating, destroying those oracle points. Um, and if you don't deactivate them in a certain process it registers that you are an intruder and your malware you get destroyed um the confluxes are a little bit more wonky um i'm gonna hatch i'm gonna kind of cop out a little bit and say that's probably game mechanics uh, as, as much as it could be um because the weird thing about the confluxes is that it actually requires the sacrifice of Vex to power it up. Um, yeah, I actually, I actually think that's that's a concept, that's a mechanic they actually got from the Hive, and 
I I almost liken them to totems. Okay. Okay. Um, even though you don't see Hive praying to totems, but um, we do know that the Vex got their their you know religion, so to speak, from the Hive because they saw the Hive worshiping, and then they saw that it didn't you know it played a part in the favorable outcome, so they they adopted it. Um, I think that's where the confluxes came from, and that's why you have Vex trying to sacrifice themselves and pray to the the complexes. But in terms of how that, that works in a, you know, in a, from a programming standpoint, I'll leave that to you. Yeah. I mean, like you could, you could make the argument that it's them activating a certain, uh, it's them activating a certain security procedure, you know, that basically wipes the hard drive, which for them would be a reality. Um, the kill command. Yeah. I, guess. I mean, yeah, basically it's a kill command. Um, yeah, I mean that, that would actually make a lot of sense. I mean, there's that, that of course leads to a really interesting conversation. I think hurts kind of pointing this out too, but, um, you know, what, which one came first, the hives process or the vexes process? If you're going to start looking at that, Oh um, man, you get caught in that loop. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it's, it's 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 a very interesting loop. And I mean, conflux is you know obviously a version of confluence, uh, which is the process of merging. Um, yeah, but you you want to hear something crazy though, even crazier than that, and it, it kind of veers off of just a little bit. But you have all these vex in the vault of glass praying and sacrificing themselves to these confluxes, and then what's the boss's name in the vault of glass? Yeah. No, yeah, it's, it's Atheon. Atheon, the godless one. Yeah, I mean, I I I know I know that's Yeah, I mean that goes back to that goes back to the giant division between Atheon and the Black Garden and you know that entire Yeah, just civil war-esque type thing. But again, if I don't know. It depends on what your def- what your thoughts are and your theories are on what Atheon actually is. Because see, I view Atheon as a necessary component within the vault. I don't view Atheon necessarily as something that would exist outside the vault. Right? Atheon is kind of a yeah, controller, yeah. a controller of the vault. He is the 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 not the gate lord and not the gatekeeper, even though it's ironic that they have gatekeepers there because Atheon is kind of the, I wouldn't say he's the master controller, but he is one of the controllers of the vault because you have to understand that the vault is a supercomputer. That's all it is. It it really is because if you look yeah, at I, the throne room of the vault that you fight Atheon in that entire, um, diamond, uh, throne behind him that you know everyone that the backdrop basically that's all that's all silica that is a giant uh confluence of previous vex and previous radiolorians all coming together and silica silica and here's and i'll kind of i'll make this comment here too silica is a substance that has hundreds of applications in the real world um the most common one is actually probably a lot of people know about this is fiber. 
fiber optics is made out of silica. Um, there's actually the, you can use it to filter water and I mean, you can use it to fill for paint. You can use it for everything. Silica is an extremely useful substance and it's, um, to but, keep your beef jerky fresh. Mm-hmm, sure. If you really want to, um, <laughs> yes. in the little packets that you don't eat. Um, but the, the important here is silica is one of the more highly conducive um, substances that are used for data transmission. Um, Google Fiber, that's silica. That's, you know, the internet that I enjoy is all because of silica. And so when you're talking about an entire structure that is composed of silica, it, it's basically saying, hey, I'm going to build a supercomputer and I'm going to actually build it in a way that the actual computer case is contributing to the processing capabilities of the computer. So not only is the computer computing, the actual thing that I've built is computing on top of that. You're you're going to exponentially increase your processing capabilities and your transmission power. Um, and when you have something the size of the vault, it's going to be immensely powerful. And, and basically what you need is you need an input device. And I think that's what Atheon is. Atheon kind of represents an input device into that computer, which is a very powerful position. But the thing is, is the interesting notch about Atheon is that he doesn't really see, or it doesn't really seem to exist outside of the vault. I mean, you know, we've, we've kind of talked about that. If Atheon could leave the vault, if those oracles could leave the vault, you know, if those, those Gorgons could leave the vault, Mm -hmm. any of those creatures could leave the vault, they would, they would wreck shop everywhere they would destroy the universe as we know it but they can't because they're intrinsically tied to that construction because perhaps the vault is not so much a place as it is a subroutine right right it's a well it's a confluence it's a confluence of timelines the vault well but but what i mean in in the in the greater vex picture it's it's not a a location a physical location so much like think about think about the programs in your computer um yeah. do the drivers for this program exist it, as far as the other programs are concerned you know i mean right. they exist but outside of that program none of it's relevant um that's kind of how i view the vault and it is it's he is time's confluence he is the coming together of all timelines all all information uh, I like to think of it uh, as the as the vault itself is is the uh, switchboard, and uh, I would almost argue it's more of a CPU. Well, well, I, I'm taking it back like old school, like, oh, like okay. telephone switchboard. Yeah, like yeah. it's it's like the switchboard, and Atheon's the switchboard operator. Yeah, I remember uh, when we talked about it in the Vex episode. We we attribute it to being like a train stop. Like a train station yeah, and yeah, Atheon Grand Central, is, yeah, Grand Central, yeah. and Atheon's the uh, the master controller of all the schedules. Yeah, like he, you know, he yeah. does all that. Um, yeah, I can, I mean, definitely say that. The other, the other interesting, uh, while we're talking about construction material, the other interesting thing is that they keep referring to Vex as brassy, um, which is a really, really intriguing um, because brass is not a it, it's not a really st- 
strong metal. Like it's not yeah. like when you're when you're talking Soft. about construction, it's not one of the things that's like I'm going to build it out of brass. That's not one of the things. There was a brass age followed by another age, and that other age was the iron. You know, like there there's a there's a progression in in metal, and but brass. Brass is an excellent building material because brass has the extreme ability or it has an ability to endure extreme temperatures. And as being one of the base metals, it actually is very flexible. Um, it can, it can yes. bend and give. Um, so for construction workers who are necessarily there, then, you know, they might be in extreme environments. Brass makes a lot of sense. And I think, uh, that was, that was pointed out by, uh, I want to say it was rhino and chat <laughs> so i the so your construction materials for the vex are basically carbon and silica is pretty much what they are and i'm trying to think if there was any anything else and there's there's a fun you know talking about some parallels here with the pattern, the concept of the pattern that we were mentioning with the Hezens, um, the Hezen Lords. Um, there's, there's another, there's another really interesting, really slight connection to a character that has a bit of an enigma around her. And that's Tao from the books of sorrow. And anyone, anyone who's read the books of sorrow might recognize that name. This is the character. This is the character who betrayed the Osmium Court and led to the creation of the Hive. She is the probably That's a one harsh. Of the, well, <laughs> she she set into motion the revenge cycle that led to the Faustian deal that you know created Oryx and his sisters. But um, she straight and, up betrayed them. She said, "If you go ahead and take the, out the king and his daughters, I will build you engines." Right. That is downright betrayal. Right. Nothing to, and you nothing know why? Shaky because. That. Because she said she was following the patterns of survival. Oh, I see what you did there. Which makes me, I'm like, really? So there's, I mean, now there's, there's a lot of different ways you can read this. And there's, there's just, you know, there's, there's a number of different ways you can kind of take that. But I just found that really interesting. I was like, oh patterns of survival. That's, that's interesting because we have quotes from Pradith talking about how, the pattern is all, you know, they, they have, they all, all they have, they have to, everything must fit. And if it can be made to fit good, if it can't, it gets cut away. And Tao did exactly that. She made things fit into her pattern of survival. And those that didn't fit into that pattern of survival were cut away. But anyways, that's from that's from verse one two uh, of the books of sorrow, and it's it's a very 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 thin it's a very th- thin thread. But I just found that I was I was reading I was reading that and I was like, oh, that's that's a really that would be a really cool kind of tie back as a possible source of inspiration for the Vex, because then we also have yeah. the, the we had. Uh, we had the the connection to the Amnonites potentially as part of the Vex, which we know Tao interacted with. Um, and then there was also a like, possible connection. I like the to, yeah, I was about to say the possible connection to the Ecumen. Because 
interestingly enough, Quirrell had connections to the Ecumen, which were the the reason that's interesting is because in the books of sorrow, well before Quirrell even was in, introduced, Oryx and his his forces destroy the Ecumen literally to the point that the only recorded instance of the Ecumen were the books of sorrow. So it's it's intriguing how Coria was then able to retrieve information from an Ecumen gate to then project Orash when she, when it was I keep calling her she when it was fighting Oryx that that was in it but then there's the connection to the Vex um and the um, Ammonites because the Ammonites were cephalopods and if you ever pay attention to the harpies or the gorgons, they have tentacles. Plus, you know, Pancake really didn't like cephalopods. So and it's it's that's just a really weird phobia Easy. for a guardian to have. So and it's like there's not a lot of cephalopods being mentioned anywhere in the Grimoire other than the Amnonites. So well, there's a quote from Pancake where he says his love for cephalopods is well documented. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah, spirit animal, like, Willie. He, he, yeah, it's a spirit animal. He was like a. a, a oh, I guess that's I true. Yeah, he wasn't. Call it to make it proper. Yeah, he wasn't really afraid. Oh, I don't know. He because he kept talking about him taking over the world. So that's what know. he wants. He wants. But he kind of felt like it would be not that bad a thing. I think. Just he also has a really good advice to always look up when you enter a room. That's a very sound advice. If you've ever played any horror games, that's the first thing you do when you enter a room. Um, Maybe okay. a squid landed on his face one time when he was at a bar or something. <laughs> <laughs> ever since then, he looks up just to make sure. Not, not a squid on your roof, is there? <laughs> it was a warlock who threw it. That's why he doesn't try, trust warlocks. <laughs> You won't shake your hands either. <laughs> um, and I think, I mean, that's pretty much was everything. When he's going crazy. He's like messing with them. He's like, oh, this is going to be hilarious. This guy's going to hate it. Watch. <laughs> um, I think that was, that's pretty much everything we talked about in chat that I was able to pull. Um, again, I cannot emphasize enough go watch those ride-alongs for some of the, some really cool trivia, uh, especially the Mars and the Venus ride-along. That's where the two for this, for this topic was. Remember to check out Game Informer, too, because they're leaking yeah, stuff. Yeah. Well, I guess it's not leaking. They're no, it's not. It's stuff with Bungie's consent. Yeah, well, they, so. they they had they had a like today's their uh, August third's interview with Chris and Scott. They they were sitting in their like official. It's not a leak. It's not leaks. They've been they've been uh, nothing they but they, above they, they bar. Have, like, the exclusive to release stuff as we get closer to Rise of Iron, and you know, Blue's the one who caught that thing about there's actually a fountain of radio radio lauren fluid i was so happy and when i read that i was like you just you just confirmed a theory <laughs> you you i don't even know if you yeah. know about it but you just said this well it was already 
confirmed by Deej. Well, no, 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 no. The the fact that they, they recycle themselves. And, yeah, the the fact oh, that and they, they and that there's a there's a fountain. Do you think that fountain's like a graveyard of sorts? I don't okay, think. So, I don't think I'm, so because I if if well, there's there's a couple different theories about the Vex biology. Actually, I actually have a question about that. Mm-hmm. When you when you get done, okay, you do your thing. Um, I was gonna say if they're just if they're just recycling the brass the the brass exterior, the the mobile units, um, then the radiolorian fluid could just be just chilling. It could just be going around and doing its own thing. Again, yeah, I don't know how that works. Like I imagine it's yeah, I imagine that's, it's kind of like they uh, shed their bodies and just hang out in the stream with with well, everybody else. But they're, they're not shedding their bodies, which is the weird thing if you think about it. It's not they're not actually shedding their body. It's like. Um, it would be similar to I just watched the new Star Trek movie. So uh, when the Enterprise got to the space station, you know, it docks, and then all the crew leave and they go do their own thing and they repair the ship. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Is like it's just it's not on our level of existence. It's smaller. So they're just doing their own thing in the hub, which is the the radiolorian fluid each of those again it depends on i am not a biologist so i don't really understand how radioloria or radiolora interact with each other i know that they are cellular creatures which to me make it seem like they're pretty simple obviously they're not but that's that's like my head in my head, I view it as the mobile units are basically giant ships that they are all on board piloting. And then when that ship gets done or that gets destroyed or whatever, they just, if they can, get back to a hub, get off the ship. The ship is repaired or recycled or whatever. They're you know issued a new ship and they go on. Like that's the, you know, like in my head, yeah. that's kind of what I'm thinking. I don't know well, if that makes sense though to well, anybody take it else. Even, take it even more uh, more rudimentary than that. Think of the, you know, the radioloria as the guts of your computer, and they're replacing the case. Yeah, well, you yeah, know, no, exactly. Just, that's that's exactly that is yes, yes, exactly. I mean, that's that's a very simplistic way to look at it. I mean, it doesn't work on all. Well, levels, let's look but. at the exact quote again. The exact quote is, "Where'd you put it, Blue?" Uh, it says, "A vex shrine yeah. where mysterious aliens go to receive themselves when a body is no longer fit for service. Mm-hmm. The strange, milky substance inside them flows like a waterfall from the shrine. So we know it's a shrine. We know that it that I mean, Game Informer got this." information straight from Bungie. So, we know it's a shrine, and they go there to recycle themselves when the body is no longer fit for service. And the, the way they make it sound, just when I see that they say that it just flows like a waterfall above the shrine, you know, it gives me that sense of, alright, that's it. You know, this is either a retirement home or it's a funeral to me. Is Is what I'm gathering from it personally change my mind blue well it's, i mean again i i mean it just depends on what exactly 
the radiolorium milk or radiolorium fluid and vex milk, whatever you want to call it, what exactly it is. You know, um, Hurt, Hurt and I are talking about that in chat. You know, it could be a, uh, I think it's diatome, um, which is, <clears throat> it's a basically a, a type of algae and it's one of the most common types of, I think it's phy- phytoplankton. Um, they're unicellular, but they, they form colonies in the shape of like filaments and like these crazy different shapes of colonies, but they're all unit. Like the, the actual individual pieces are unicell, uh, uh, into entities. I have no idea. I don't, I'm not a biologist. I don't know any of this stuff. I'm just kind of going with it, but you know, the way I kind of see it is they're like, um, like shellfish, or like a hermit crab, you know, like it's like, hey, our shell's done, do, 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 and they go and find a new shell. But there's a hierarchy yeah. instilled on it, and then there's the 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 pattern and the the technological kind of feel that the vex. I know there are so many weird, different emotions when it comes to the vex entities. As far as like when you start digging into them, that I'm like, I I just I. I want Bungie just to tell me what they are. I don't even really care. Like, I, I don't care about what their plans are. I just want to know what they are. Like, if you could just, if you could just tell me that, I'd be probably pretty happy to be, to be honest. <laughs> so somebody reach out to Deej, make it happen. <laughs> let me, uh, let me, let me ask you a question though. Mm-hmm. Are it, these floating gardens, are they the floating gardens of Pomona Mons? Uh, they they didn't say. Uh, they that's immediately what I thought. But they said that it is a Vex shrine on Venus. It's a new crucible map, and it's called the Floating Gardens. So, Willie's favorite exotic Empyrean bellicose says that the, I never use that thing. Ever. This barely <laughs> understood Golden Age technology Shaker. once held off the floating gardens of Pomona Mons. Now it's stopping bullets. So. I'm an armentarian man, personally. Hey, hey, listen, it's okay. It's okay. It's just stupid well, use like the, uh, It looks pretty, that's it. It it does looks like no. a Bob Sledder's helmet. That's not the word I was going to use, <laughs> but sure, we'll go with that. It's shiny. Um. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think know. that's it for me. Yeah, I, I I was just wondering. I didn't know if that was confirmed or not, or if it was taken for granted. Because I'm curious. Advantage of all the silence and whatnot. And I will throw in this week's pain theory instead of throwing it into my shout outs like I normally do. That's good. So, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, get this. They don't mention it, but obviously Payne would have been with Save 14 when he got the message from the speaker. And he had to go stop Osiris from doing whatever vexy things he was doing. Probably just taking his shirt off and laying on the ground. And... When Payne and Saint went to go meet Osiris, they wanted to fight him, obviously, stop him from doing the Vexy things. And instead, Osiris is like, all right, fine, I'll stop. But first, just take your shirts off and lay on the ground. And that ended up turning Saint 
and paying also into peyote addicts. And it took them years to get off the stuff, but paying is a, uh, is an ex hippie confirmed. Yeah, I think I'm done here. Oh, you've been holding on to that bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like this one because it humanizes paying for me. He's not this untouchable of, uh, ideal now. He's he's a lot more. He's he's you know he's human. He's got his own foibles. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I almost said something, but I'm not going to because it probably would offend. But deities did drugs, you know. I like, look at uh, who is it? Is it Buddha that's always on a hookah? No. You think he's smoking? No, yeah, I yeah. Know one of those gods. I'm, I'm gonna go. Let's go with let's go with Greek mythology and let's just call Bacchus. Let's just go with that one. Yeah, I'm not touching that with the ten foot pole. <laughs> I, I got enough problems. I'm not trying to offend anybody, but um, I mean, even even Santa Claus smokes a pipe. So I mean, yeah. What do you think Generally, when you say I'm not trying to offend anybody, it's because you're about to offend hundreds of people. No, because I'm just going to stop here and say, let's go to shout-outs. Let's go to shout-outs. All right. So first, first, first shout-out is a huge congratulation to the winner of the Ad Infinitum emblem. Um, we had a member of our community actually give us a one of those emblems, which was from this last bungee day. There was an emblem if you... If you purchased anything from the store, they would give you this one. It's the it's the gold one with the seven. Um, so we we got that, and then right after we got given that, um, we actually passed eighty thousand downloads. So it was like it was a really cool, really cool combination there. Um, and that is going to be given to Bardock Ray. So congratulations for that. And uh, we will <clears throat> we will I will be reaching out to to you to get your information and get that get that code sent over to you for for redemption on the bungee store other than that um if you have not already heard about this uh, the safe gamers the dames of destiny and dad's gaming are doing a a destiny olympics and if i remember this correctly um the proceeds for all the charity it's a charity event um and the proceeds is going to special olympics i want to say um and i just i just got reached out which is why i don't have i don't have notes on this one so i'm kind of going off the cuff on this one but they have a really cool shirt design that they are selling to kind of help bolster that that uh that charity event and it's a really it's a really cool design it's basically the um the olympic rings but they're Ingrams and there's one of each color and it's, I don't know. I really like it. Uh, and there, we have a link up in our discord chat and we can provide one for show notes as well. For anybody who's interested in that, please, please, please. If you, if you have the capability, you know, and if you want that, 
definitely give that give that a look. And if you don't have the capability, just you know, again, like we say with all the charity stuff that we've always done, if you don't have if you don't have money, that's fine. That's not that's not necessarily all it is. It's mostly about awareness. So spread the awareness and you know share it share it with people and talk about it and start conversations. That's that's the entire point of most of the charity streams that we've always been part of. Um, and I'm gonna pass the conch over to Justin. That's the conch I love. I don't I don't like that. Can we not call it that? Because oh when God. the conch gets no, no, passed, no, people no, die. Oh, people Mr. die. Mr. Piggy has the conch now. Oh, suddenly, God. suddenly he's um, retracting his. I'm just I just don't like it. I'm a mama's boy. I don't want the conch. <laughs> um, so uh, I'd like to big shout out to Mel for wading through the waters of of Overwatch with us last night and also for lending her amazing diva cosplay to the flyer probably you know improved it by 300%. That's a conservative estimate just her being on the flyer. So I would, thank I would you so much for that. Yes. Um and a big shout out to DOD Chatterwhite crew um for uh you know, you being you, good job. And uh, also, I, I kind of uh, flubbed last night and forgot to give a big shout out to Taylor B and Damo and God, am I forgetting somebody for really driving the Overwatch Extra Lore chat this month. And just really a lot of good information. I really appreciate it. And if I'm forgetting you and you were in there, uh, I apologize. Um I think maybe Rhino and co-ed. I might be wrong, but uh, anyways, thanks a lot. Thanks guys for your interest in the extra lore. We really have fun, fun time doing them. And I really had a fun time actually doing one. I know something about, so, well, you know, that was this, fun. this month's Pokemon. So you're going to be, yeah, so I'm going to be, you're going to be scheduling s- a fever. No, I, no. I, I missed that. I'm going to have to. Yeah. Justin, Justin's our Pokemon expert. Mm-hmm. We're all in trouble. Mm-hmm. Actually, I did do something funny. I did do something funny. <laughs> there were four of them outside Gavin's dojo. <laughs> I may or may not have have told them that there was a Pikachu around the corner <laughs> and drove off. <laughs> That, there was a short video of a guy who who basically did that. He pulled his cell phone out and he was standing across the square. And this was in New York, so there was like I guess like two thousand people in one of the parks. And he was across the street, and he turned around and he was like, "Oh look, a dragonair!" and just took off running. And the entire group behind him just was like, or it was a dragon knight or whatever the the, the yeah, final form of it. <laughs> the entire group of it just, oh my gosh, it was like watching a, an exodus from the park. So, are you talking yeah. about when the Vaporeon? No, 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 park? no. This was this was a. I think it was a dragon knight. I want to say, but I'm, I've I've heard, so of, yeah, I've heard people are trolls. So is it now? Is the crime now? So is the is the crime now not yelling fire in a movie theater? It's yelling blast toys in in movie theater. That's the 
That's the big crime. I was, in my bedroom. I was stoked. See, you should get the exterminator. <laughs> so, really. Okay. Um, big shout out to whoever the hell at Bungie said, hey, the Titans need Dragonborn armor. That is amazing. I can't wait to get that. Um, no, you have no idea. When I saw the. You're going to be Dovahkiin. That's I mean, okay. I never, yeah, I didn't really get to enjoy the game, but I, but I did like the yelling. Are so, they here? Are the horns longer than the arms? No, that'd be awkward. That would be awkward. <laughs> have you you saw the damn posters? Get out of here! Okay, sorry. Here's I'm your muting. virtual kicking the ass out of my shoutouts. <laughs> um, big shout out as always, Dodx One Foxtrot. It's my clan. I love you guys. Um, big shout out, Blue Justin for always dragging me along these things and pens for his head desks. Um, and uh, I, I did want to throw a shout out to to Beaster Zero Two. Usually comes in and hangs out on my streams when he can, and yeah, you know, that's pretty cool. So thank you for that. Speaking of which, you have the rest of tonight. I just tweeted it out before the show started, and it's also <laughs> in the actual chat to vote for what I'm going to play on Friday uh, during the Friday shenanigans. So looks like Ark Survival Evolved is winning right now. I don't mind playing that, but if you'd rather see me play something else, and you know, vote and come join me Friday. All right. Well, with that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend the evening with us. If you'd like to join us, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Uh, please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes or through that email as well. We do try to keep to the scheduled Wednesday night streams of the chat starting at approximately 10 p.m. Central. But if we do have any variations, we always make sure to let everyone know through our Twitter account at focusfirechat. Also, please be sure to check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So, until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.